this episode, Bill Hartman returns. On this episode, Bill and I discuss the refinement of Bill's teaching of his model. What concept from his model has Bill found the hardest to teach others? How would Bill present his model to a class of undergraduate physical therapists if requested? The genesis of Bill's model. I tried to get it out of him, Paul. I tried. We discuss the program that Bill and Chris Wiggis have recently released together. I asked Bill what he suggests to his patients when they want to return to training after a rehabilitation from an injury. I asked Bill about his passion for singing. I asked Bill what his current training program is like. We discuss load management, relative motion and orientation. And finally, we discuss fear-mongering around human movement. This was a great conversation with Bill, guys, and I hope you really enjoy it. Okay, we are recording. It's uh... oh, We weren't recording. <laughs> we were recording before. We're, we're, yeah, we're, well, we're, we're recording, but the people can't hear what went before because we have to. Well, do why that. not? Why because not? We, because we have to do the foam a bit where people go, oh, what were they talking about? It must have been. Oh, like- I see. We're building curiosity. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Okay. I it's like, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that thing you do sometimes on the coach, uh, the coaches and coffees corner when someone drops off all of a sudden and then they log back in and they go, and you'll never hear me say that again. <laughs> yes exactly so they think they missed something important i know yeah i know but yeah. uh I, I only just checked there today it was actually our last podcast and we have obviously spoke a lot through text messages mainly and and we yeah. actually had a, a a phone call in between that as well but the last time we had you on the podcast was 2019 we, we okay. record yeah we record that and i think i'm fairly sure it was march but it was released in september and that was mainly around your model and um, my current understanding of it then which has definitely evolved an awful lot since last summer because last summer I actually went back into your model heavy because when I did the intensive in 2018 which is only your second ever one just personally myself I was so focused and locked in on my master so my like my sort of mindset was really deep into like just S&C world that time it was only when I got a chance to kind of pull out and then refocus my attention to like human movement and that whole realm and you know, I, I took the PRI home study courses and then my next goal was like, right, once I get through that, I want to really delve back into Bill's model now and then really d- dove into the compression expansion model or as the full title. The, the, the full title I've heard people say is the compression expansion gate respiration model. I'm like, it's too long. It's just too long. Okay. I just if, if any hang on. If anybody says that, if anybody says that, they are uninformed. They've never had a conversation with me. They've never yeah. been to an intensive and they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's very important. It's very important because because people are making people are making assumptions that they have an understanding that they don't have. Right. And like I said, that's that's the dead giveaway. Anybody that would anybody that would express it as that doesn't mm. understand the 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 premise behind it. Right. It, they're trying to shortcut it. They're trying, they're they're trying to promote themselves as having an understanding that they do not have so run from them yeah uh, to be honest and just from a learner's perspective on my end of things it, it's led to a lot of confusion because i hear certain people saying certain things about this model and then someone else almost saying a contradictory thing and well because like, they don't I, understand it that, but that, that's what i mean there, there's that's people I mean. that are selling there's people that are selling these things 
right? They're selling them and they're mm-hmm. absolutely wrong in their representations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But people don't people don't have enough understanding to filter this and say, oh, that that would be a mistake or that's a misrepresentation. Yeah, I think that's the appropriate term. There is a misrepresentation, definitely. But yeah. for, for, for me personally, then I delved heavily back into your model last summer did six weeks i listened to every single one of your episodes was going through the youtube channel and it's it like it definitely where i'm at currently now is i would i would say i have a very good understanding and appreciation for the model as a whole where i'm at now or where i'm fuzzy now is more the application the actual taking taking like the what would be an appropriate exercise intervention or I suppose exercise, uh, but an intervention for a particular individual where they are on that sort of wide and narrow spectrum and the sort of strategy they're presenting with. So it's the application where I'm at now, whereas I feel that I really accelerated my understanding last summer when I really got back into it. Because as I said, in 2018, like, don't get me wrong, the global principles, when I stepped away from the three days of you, I, I could appreciate, but I was still very, very fuzzy on a lot of it. Well, so, and again, people, people make an assumption that they, if they, if they go to an educational experience and, and, oh, I've spent two days, now I have this deep understanding of this. And, and, you know, this is, this is why there's a continuation of the, of the process after you go to the intensive. That's why there's a group of people that spend a lot of time together and trying to figure this out because, what 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 you're seeing is you're seeing a representation of complexity that's based off of absolute principle. It's just the changing of the conditions as those principles are applied over time. And that's what makes it seem very, very complex. And that's why you have to, as I would say, reverse engineer everything. Like you have to understand where somebody came from. So this is this is the foundation of all of the principles. This is where the constraints are. This is where the structure is the influence. This is where the options that are that are possible are represented. And then you're looking at things through time, right? And and that takes a while to grasp. It's like, what are the options? How are those, how are these principles being applied to these conditions? Because you know you you take somebody at a, at one point in time, and the representation will look differently, and therefore the solution, or the trade off is what we should say. The trade off is going to be different, and that's what makes it hard. People want to people think that everything can be can be simplified. The principles are simple, right? But the process becomes very complex because you're dealing with a human being, and then you know that creates a tremendous amount of interference that you have to understand. And that so, takes time. That takes time and that takes experience. That takes failures, a lot of failures to get to where you need to be. Or as we say in Ireland, a lot of fuck ups. Well, you know. <laughs> you know but, uh, in in light of our conversation today, I, I do just have a few questions. Um, yes, <laughs> just I'm interested to hear like so I, I took the second ever intensive uh-huh. nineteen. How has it evolved since that over the last five years? Uh, for, for, for you, even as, 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 as you've taught more and more than like, how, how has it evolved? It's, it's just, so again, foundational principles haven't changed at all. It's just more, um, because I've answered similar questions so many times, the refinement of that is, is, has improved. Um, so it's, it's easier for me to under, uh, to explain things. Um, the fact that people have had repeated exposures through the the ongoing process, 
like the people that have been through the intensive that that are are still spending time together and 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 learning um their understanding has improved so the questions get better and then i get better at answering the questions because we've had we've had more context to express these concepts within whether it be like um so we we have an Olympic weightlifting coach. We have physical therapists. We have strength and conditioning coaches. We have personal trainers. Everybody's got these these contexts and perspectives, and then we we're able to answer all of those questions in context. So so the the responses are much more refined. The process is much more refined. Where you know you understand the difference in, in trying to express information. You you have you have explicit. Um, you know, Im implicit and uh, and the tacit, and this is based off of tacit, which is very difficult to explain verbally, or or even even in writing, it's very difficult because it's so experiential. And now you have people that have a lot of experience working within this model, and so their understanding is improved. My understanding and ability to express things that have been difficult to express verbally is, is just much improved. That's where the that's where the conceptually uh, that's where the the biggest improvements have been because again the the model itself doesn't have to doesn't have to uh, change because it's again it's based on very simple foundational principles because they 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 are the unifying physical principles right like they can't change because of what they're based on. Yeah, and a, a refinement probably would have been a better word than than uh, evolution, because again, as you said, the principles, the, the principles are the principles. That's exactly what I was getting to. So more so, you're teaching the pedagogy of of how is that maybe sort of evolved. Because again, exactly as you alluded to there, you've realized that you you're kind of coming back with similar questions or coming back to you. So you've refined maybe how you've tried to express that idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and off that too, it actually it segues well into the second question I had, which is what for you has been, or do you feel has been the hardest concept of the model to teach? And just to give you an example for me, this actually wasn't a hard concept for me to understand, but I just see a lot of people struggle with it on some of the conversations we have is the idea of superimposition. So like oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes they'll see like, but is that not in ER? And you'd be like, yeah, but there's an IR on top of that. Yeah. So this is, this is the failure. This is the failure of like a Cartesian coordinate kind of a representation. So this is the three planes concept, which is great for finding a position in space. <clears throat> it's great for uh, trying to represent something that doesn't move. Right. So um, take a cadaver, put him on a slab. And we immediately have you know, a, a coordinate plane system that is useful, but when it comes to actually moving and how we move through space and then understanding what the representations are. So if we take, if we take the dead guy representation and we try to apply that to a dynamic moving human that has to actually physically change shape to move, then a lot of that stuff sort of falls away and then becomes interference to thought process. Because if you're, if you're trying to manage a planar system in, in a dynamic shape changing organism. It's like the planes are all over the place or better yet, they just disappear. Because what we're looking at is we're looking at, we're looking at spaces and um, the spaces are what we access. We actually move into a space and then we apply forces 
and we respond to forces. And so that's what makes it makes it difficult because the, what the straight plane did for us, and we can see this in table tests, right? We look at a table test and the reason I call them table tests is because that's what you're measuring against. You're, you are, you're creating a constraint. The table is a constraint that we're going to measure against. And so this allows us to position someone in space relative to the table. And then there's cer certain things that should happen um, as we move somebody into a spe specific position relative to the table. And that would mean that um, there, there are no zero points as it would be expressed if this was a cadaver representation. So cadavers do have zeros because they don't move. And so we're, again, we're, we're applying that. And so what used to be is straight up from the table in certain circumstance would be representative of a zero point. Anything on one side of that zero would be considered ER. Anything on the other side of that, of that zero point would be considered IR. And then that's how it's been expressed. And that creates a massive amount of confusion because what we have was we have a simultaneous representation of ER and IR. And that just goes back to our, our structural constraints. That's how you're made. You're just a big giant tube. And therefore, there, if I take away ER, I am increasing the amount of IR, but there's still ER represented. And that's a that's a difficult concept for people to grasp. But that's how that's how we move through space. Because if we didn't, if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to apply force in a space. Right? It's like take away, like float in a pool, float in a pool, and it's very difficult, very difficult to express downward force because you're buoyant. Take that away, and now you've reduced the application of internal rotation, which is associated with a downward force. Okay. And so it's it's really tough for people to grasp that. And so then your bias then becomes more ER represented because that's movement away from the ground. Right. And again, th this this creates a massive amount of a massive amount of confusion and, and misunderstanding because everybody wants this thing to be zero. They want this thing to be clean. Um, humans are not orthogonal. We don't have zeros and 90s, okay? We just don't have them. Um, but that's what we compare against. And, and therefore that's why we've had this, this sort of absolute expression of it's either or instead of understanding that it's simultaneous because we're accessing a space and we're applying force at the same time, which means that both are represented. So for so that example I gave of the idea of a, a superimposition or this kind of there's always a simultaneous ER IR and even with, with respiration it's the same with inhale and exhale is there any is there anything for you though in particular from a concept perspective you've also seen a lot of people struggle with that was my I think, example I I think that that once you get past once you get past a certain point um, where you, uh, you you stop seeing things as being different and you start to see the sameness. That's that's the breaking point for, for most people, I think, because everything has been expressed as being different. Because what they've done is they've taken this, this representation of complexity and to simplify it for understanding, they chop things into pieces, right? So a foot's a foot, a knee's a knee, a hip's a hip, a spine is a spine, a vertebra is a vertebra, a shoulder is a shoulder, et cetera. 
right? Rather than seeing the coherence. That's been the goal all along is to maintain the coherence within the physical principles that exist and the constraints of the system, right? So if you can get past the point where you're starting to stop, where you don't see things in isolation and you start to see the relationships. And there's been, there's been, you know, you look at concepts like uh, regional interdependence, right? Which has been around for a long time. That that is that is absolute. It's like you don't affect one thing without affecting another. It's just a matter of degree, and then that becomes, you know, a, another element of of difficulty is like how much of of something is influenced by something else. So we talk about a foot. We talk about a foot position. It's like how much does that influence something else? Well, it influences things a, to a great deal based on degree. Right. So anything that's closer to the foot is going to have a stronger magnification of how it moves through space. Like if I move a foot to its maximum position, whether it be internal rotation or external rotation, I'm going to see the entire system respond. Okay. But it's again a matter of degree. Would you see the same degree of response at the other end? So if we look at the head relative to the foot, are we going to see the same responses? Absolutely, we will. Will it be to the same degree? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on it depends on context and and again to what extent something has to move through space. If we're if we're at the end of a constraint, that's where you're going to start to see the sameness strongly represented, which is why we talk about you know when we talk about different phases of of moving through space. Um, the stuff that's in between the 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 primary representations. There's about three representations where we would look at this. And again, I I talk about moving through space as, as the propulsive phases. You look at you look at the three primary propulsive phases. They look the same. That's where the sameness shows up when it, it gets dirty in between, and that's what creates a lot of confusion for people because they look at the spaces in between and they're saying, "Well, things are moving in opposite directions." It's like, no, they're moving in the same direction. Just there's a relative timing that's involved. That's really hard for people to see. I think too as well. I, I agree with everything you said there too. Well, I also think that's a bit of a stumbling block, and this isn't only limited to your model. It's it's kind of something I've seen just from my experience of just basically learning any type of information over the years is when people are very sort of fuzzy on like starting conditions and maybe I suppose foundational principles. What I mean by starting conditions just within your own model, let's just say, and again, I know there's absolutely no black and white in here, but again, just to, to kind of give someone some sort of context with the model, we have this wide, we have this narrow, they're on a spectrum and there's loads of, different uh there's an there's an infinite amount of variations on that spectrum from wide scenarios um but i feel that there's a lot of people that kind of if they don't have sort of the grasp of well here's what the starting condition of the wide is here's what the starting condition of an hour is here's what nutation means here's what counter nutation means here's what yielding versus overcoming means here's right. what you know eccentric versus concentric orientation i just for me personally like it's when i just made sure i am i fully understanding these sort of core sort of principles and understandings right. and starting conditions it did help up clear a lot of sort of the yeah the, the language that was being discussed in conversations say down further down the road within the model it, it was essentially like you're having the cart before the horse so i just think within learning not even just limit to your model it's always sort of make sure we're not assuming that people actually understand these sort of 
these very foundational bedrocks to this particular model. Like it's like, you know, I've often seen it too. Like, you know, it's just another situation is you go to like your, your fucking NSEA seminars or any sort of human performance seminars. And people are talking about these phys- physiological concepts and, you know, people are like, I don't know what that means. Like, it's like, they just, they just assume someone knows like, you know, what lactic threshold means. And it's like, but they mightn't or, do you know, I'm just using that as a, as a sort of representation of that idea that if pe- it's almost an assumption that someone should know these starting conditions or these foundational principles, but yet a lot of times they don't. And then it makes sort of the learning later on down the road very frustrating. Well, okay. So learning is supposed to be frustrating. Okay. Know, let's, let's get that one out of the way. <laughs> right. Because uh, learning is hard, right? There's the, you're, you're making, you're making a, you're literally making a change in the connections in your brain. That's hard to do. So let's just accept the fact that learning something new, novel, is going to be difficult, right? But what what you're talking about are are foundational principles of the constraints of the system. Like people didn't know or don't know what the options even are. They think they do, right? But but when you look at at elements of the system in, in regards to how they behave, so just looking at connective tissue behaviors, um, as as we do, it's like that hasn't been considered to, uh, in my mind, to a sig- significant enough degree. They're doing some really good stuff. They're actually doing some really good stuff as far as the representation of connective tissue behaviors. It's getting better and better, <clears throat> which I think is great. And, and in my opinion, it's going very strongly in the right direction as far as what would be an appropriate representation of how just, just from an energy storage and released, release element um they're they're really doing a great job with them um but but then you have to look at the other the other parts um what what has been perceived as relative movement um in many cases is not because again it's it just has to do with how understanding look at the spine for a sec okay let's just look at lumbar spine make it really really simple by description, five bony segments with discs in between, right? Okay. The assumption is, is that that those segments would always have relative motions between them when the reality is, it's like they don't. It's like that spine under certain circumstances starts to behave like one single element. And so when you see a position visually, even on, a, even on some form of imaging, you, we have to understand that there are certain conditions where those relative motions between the segments don't really exist. And that thing is moving as a single entity. That construct alone changes a whole lot about how movement will be represented because what people think that they're measuring. So if we, if we talk about a hip motion that we're measuring, the assumption is, is that I'm measuring a hip. Because that's my intention. It's like it's like it's like whenever somebody does an exercise, and because they have an intention, they're making an assumption that that's what the outcome is derived from, right? But I'm taking a measurement at a hip. It's like my assumption is I'm measuring a hip joint. What if that hip joint's not actually moving, and something else is moving because of an orientation between where your hand contact is? You're in, you're imposing 
right, a force upon this, this system, and it's going to respond in however it can. If I have a, a position or an orientation of, of movement segments that are no longer moving relative to one another, and they're moving as a whole, the measurement will be skewed in one direction or the other based on what is actually moving. So if I'm trying to move a hip and that hip joint doesn't really move, and I get a spine that starts to move as a single segment, I get magnification of measures. So it looks like, for instance, I'm taking a hip um, external rotation measure by tradition, but I get 80 degrees, right? Which would exceed the textbook norm by a lot, by a lot. There's no hip that moves 80 degrees. There's no hip joint that does that, okay? So my explanation as to how that arises then I have to I have to rely on whatever mental model that I have as to what could be, possibly be happening. It's like, oh, I have a constraint that is given way. No, I have a segment that's not moving, and I have another segment that is moving in response to that, and that's why the magnification occurs. Versus saying, oh, I have destruction of constraints, and that is an entirely different representation as to what has been taught in the past, right? Um, and, and so again, it's, it's I don't like I said I don't think the the options have been represented as to what actually happens, right? I think we need to get closer to reality, and we have to question and challenge what has been expressed in the past. We can't rely on twenty three hundred year old dissections as a representation, even at at, at the anatomical level, right? We're gonna we're gonna trust dissections from 2300 years ago like they were using wooden spoons and elbows to do dissections right they they were not terribly refined under those circumstances well, well there there there's currently a lot of people who you use a 2000 year old book to uh to to live their lives by well that's that's you know I, i'm being facetious here too I, I understand i understand it, it's just that you know um what what we want to start to, to recognize is that things are more the same than they are different. And, and that that's created part of the problems is everybody thinks that there's so much difference in things that they have to learn this and they have to learn this, and they have to learn this, rather than <clears throat> looking for the coherence. A unifying yeah. principle. Well, the, so that, so this, so I, I, if you wanted to give, if you wanted to give them, I was going back and forth with Chris on this the other day, because people say, you got to call it something, you got to call it something. It's like, it's like, it's just, a, it's literally just, it's, it's a model. It's just, it's, it's a unified model is what it is. It's that, that's the goal is to unify everything within the physical principles that exist and the constraints that are present. That's how you do it. Okay. Uh, just and so uh, leading off that then bill and it actually was a note i had down in, in my book when when we talk about then table tests or the chessboard as you like to call it huh? like that's that's another aspect of the model and, and this is where we're getting into the application of it that really seems to be a stumbling block for so many of us because it's kind of like is that is that just purely going to come down to just hands-on experience to get better at that? Yes, <laughs> yes. Because uh, and the like reason people, I... don't, people oh people don't want that they want the cookbook right yeah yeah 
They don't, want to have, they don't want to have to go through the process because it's uncomfortable. It's a struggle. It sucks. You make mistakes. You fail. It doesn't feel good. Mm. And then, but you spend enough time with it and you get really, really good at it. Like, like because the many times, the many times you end up saying it's probably dirty measure. <laughs> because, because you have, because again, this, this is the representation of what the options are. So, so the reason, okay. So the reason it's called a chessboard. So, <clears throat> so chess is very objective. Okay, it is not an adaptable adaptable organism, right? The chessboard, the measurements that you're taking give you the most objective representation that we can have to work with in in real time in a clinical setting or whatever setting that you're in, right? There's other things that we can measure if we if we have the time and the and the <clears throat> machinery to do it. So so the chessboard becomes the objective. Um, representation of what we're looking at. Those measures all represent the, the options relative to everything else. And it creates the shape of the individual and it, and it tells you how the constraints are being utilized in movement. That's what the chessboard does. But once again, we go back to what the intention is perceived to be as we are taught these, these measures in, in a, like a school-related setting, it's like, oh, if I'm moving the hip, then I'm measuring the hip. Not recognizing the fact that every measure that you take is a systemic measure relative to something else, right? It's like um, the, the perception of, uh, just take like a straight leg raise or something like that, okay? There's a certain sensation that's driven by, you know, the, the person doing the leg raise feels a certain something. So they're going to feel resistance against movement. The person that's having the leg raise applied to them feels a sensation um, in, in a certain place um, at a cer certain point. And so then that becomes the descriptor of what the limitation is without considering the rest of the system, right? So doing a test in isolation only provides a small amount of information. It's the relationships among all the other measurements that, that will define what's actually going on and, and provide clarity. Isolation is easy. All I got to do, here you go. Uh, straight leg raise is limited. They feel tension in their hamstring. I feel the resistance at 40 degrees of elevation away from the table. Ah, obviously it's the hamstring. That's the limitation. When the reality is, it's like, we have to understand, it's like, why would I feel tension there? Is it really because some piece of you, right, that is attached to every other piece of you has an isolated limitation to it? Really? That's how we're gonna, that's how we're gonna see perceive this highly complex organism, right? We're not gonna consider all the other relationships that that are potential influences, right? Um, you want to screw up a straight leg race? Press your head back into the table next time somebody tries to tries to, to raise your leg and then see what happens. And then tell me that, oh, that's a hamstring? No, it's not, right? It becomes a systemic relationship that you're creating interference with, right? A question I, I've, I've formulated in my mind yesterday, because whenever any sort of conversation comes up around your teachings, particularly if it's someone who, who hasn't come across your work and they're kind of like, well, tell me about it. I'm kind of like, how to summarize Bill's work? 
And I'm kind of like, okay, right. You got these. <laughs> yeah. And you can go again, down the every, everybody wants the hack. Everybody wants the tip. Everybody wants yeah. the It's like, don't, don't invest in it. Don't, if, if you're not willing to spend the time, don't invest in it. It's okay. You're not hurting anybody's feelings. I, and, and I almost have a feeling to your answers. This will be like, I just wouldn't do it. But if you had to, if, if I was a professor in a university and I was like, Bill, I want you to come in to my undergraduate physical therapist and present your model to them. How much time do you have? I was going to say you had like a two hour talk. Do you know how long I've been doing this, Robbie? I know, but like it was in an auditorium. <laughs> like, like 32 years to get here. 32 uh, years. Okay. 32. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I, it, but, but I, I, I respectfully disagree with the concept that, that you should be able to explain something to a five-year-old. I, 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 I didn't say that just so you know. I know, but 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 that's where people will go. They go, oh, you should be able to express this this to five five year old doesn't have the context. A lot of people don't have the context to start with. That's why you have to apply for the intensive, right? And I make mistakes. Sometimes I let people come that shouldn't come, right? But there has to be a, there has to be an element of understanding of foundational concepts first, right? Um, but yeah, I. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do something like that, right? If you want me to explain an element of it, then that's a that's a different story, right? Because because you can zoom in and zoom out, right? But to, to to say oh it's this, right? Take take the physical principles that exist in in our universe. Take the constraints of the system. Understand those in depth, and then how do they interact? That's that's the model in it in its foundational representation but now you go say okay well here's all the principles here's all the possibilities and now let's start to put them together yeah and that see, takes time that yeah. takes time because again you you made you made the point like there's a difference between muscle orientation and 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 connective tissue behaviors that have to be understood like in in a separate entity and then how do they interact and then how do they interact in time in context like that's multiple layers of of understanding and expression and then again looking at things in context right because the context yeah. would be different like certain things behave differently in certain circumstances connective tissue behavior is different just based on speed of movement alone connective tissues behave differently i think it's just my my learning style like the bias of my learning style that when i really delved into your model last summer that what was frustrating to me was it, it's like this and this is just my perspective it just seems so incoherent and sort of all all over the place if you like but in my mind it's like bill wants that because he wants you to struggle to put the pieces together so you'll get deep, deeper I, I, I know that i understand i appreciate that but i just know for i know for me i like when someone just presents it as in like when i start seeing okay like because when you say the constraints of the organism right i can just picture mike boyle going what the fuck is bill talking about i'm like he means you have this wide and you have this, these narrows and it's a spectrum and they have physical constraints of a body and that every human has internal forces like they're like a gyroscopic force inside their 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 system that they we all have to deal with but your structure determines that you each have different strategies and then also everything in your environment that has determined how your structure is in any moment of time between like your job and training stresses and your, your whole life experience mm -hmm. that determines the constraints of your body 
but I can just see I just can just see when you because because I have a deeper understanding so I can appreciate what you're talking about but I can just see other people going like what does he mean and I know that you're kind of like that's do you remember the point. your epiphany do you remember your epiphany on day two day two yeah as in as in but again I do remember that it, it was actually quite quite good yes <laughs> yeah but see it I mean and and you came in you came in with a lot of information and a lot of analogy it's like you you had already learned a great deal of of information you've already had a great deal of experience and then but it takes you a while to mix it into a a useful coherent understanding right and again it's like like I'm okay. I'm okay with people doing other things. There's there are people that will be successful, right? They might not be successful for the reason that they think they are, but but what they're doing is they're they're making comparisons between intervention and outcome, which is perfectly fine. What I want to do though is make it easier to get from point A to point B by having a deeper understanding of here's what the possibilities are. This is principles, this is constraints. And this is options, okay? With my understanding of where this person is now, I can also understand where they came from because I do understand the principles. I do understand the constraints. And I do understand what the options are. So there is a process to get them from where they where they were to where they are. Do I need to move them back towards their, their point of origination or do I move them in the opposing direction and I push them further into an adaptation to get the desired result? But I have to understand those. And again, it's it's like there, there are plenty of other perspectives, but but the the model that that underlies everything has to be coherent. Right. And if and it, the, the 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 deeper we go, the more coherence we should see, not not more differences. And that's been, like I said, that's been the goal all along. So just in my own mind, if, if I just give a little summary here and then and then you can just so correct or add or because so we, we, with the model. So my understanding is, again, and I'm just being very general here. So we, we have wide, wide ISA. We have narrow, narrow ISA and a discussion we can have on that, too. And I've heard you say ISA is in a measurement. It's a behavior, which is another aspect I've heard you speak about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we have these. So and essentially we all have these gyroscopic type forces in our thorax again because we have this angular momentum or vistra going forward and then the yeah, procession yeah, stuff that, let's let's make this really crazy simple okay yeah i have a container and i got stuff inside that moves that i have to control so you have to control it it works to my benefit and it works to my detriment okay right and so so my job is to make sure that you have control over those forces to allow you to manage the ones that are coming from the outside yeah, but everyone's strategy is different based off their structure. Within within limits, like there are limits to the constraints, and this is why you have to understand the constraints. So this is why the archetypes exist. The foundational archetypes represent like the, the foundational tendencies of that system because you cannot, if you try to do something that's outside of your constraints, okay, you're going to have to create some sort of compensatory strategy to do so or you're going to exceed the tolerance of the constraints, and then that's what we call an injury, right? And that's what people try to do because they move so far in one direction that they hit the end of the constraints, and then that's where the bad things happen. But the internal forces are those gyroscopic ones that we speak about, and the external is gravity. Yes, 
but but see gravity interacts with with all of them like that yeah. it's not separate it's not like it's not like gravity is only on the outside like gravity, oh, i know i know gravity yeah, is yeah. driving all of the whole of, thing yeah, yeah the whole thing yes, yeah yeah but but when, when someone is pres when someone comes to you each individual and, and again we have that spectrum from white to narrow and all the infinite possibilities in between but each individual is coming to you representing their strategy for for how they're dealing with the internal forces and then and then gravity as the external force but again gravity is driving the internal forces too and you're and and then you're just seeing like even just looking at that person you're getting an idea of the strategy that they're presenting with because uh, something was very interesting yesterday on on the on the coffee and coaches call there was a particular individual that tenacity put up and you were like that person is really struggling against gravity like get Absolutely. her like she needs to just like lie down or get into water. Yes. And like that was a light. And this is the thing with your model too. Is like every time we have conversations, whether it's in our intensive calls or the, or the coffee and coaches corner, is like every little piece is like like ah, it, it's like it's like you're putting that massive puzzle together. Like, oh, there's that piece now. Oh, it's a boat. I see that piece now. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm always getting like these little extra pieces that are all of that and on and making more sense. But just when you and there's certain times when you say things when like right that clicks now like. And it's, and it's not as if like I didn't know that already, like, again, that we're managing strategy or we're, we're coming up with strategies with gravity and the internal forces and gravity drives off. But just even the way you word that is like she's just like not doing well with gravity. Like she needs to just get out of gravity right now. Right. Well, and, and, th and this is why we this is why there's concern over positioning. <clears throat> like, why would you choose certain exercises over another? If I have somebody that is that has difficulty managing gravity upright, I need to change the direction of gravity to to favorably influence the 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 output of the behavior, right? Because I'm I'm trying to teach them to manage this in a much more effective way within the constraints that are available. And again, it's like that. Now we go back. It's like principles. It's like what are the principles that I'm exposed to? What are the constraints? What is my bias? in regards to those constraints. What am I good at? What am I not good at? It's like, okay, if I recognize the fact that, that you're always going to have this struggle against gravity, here's the step that you're going to need to do to assure that you don't exceed the constraints or, or reach the end of those constraints, and you can stay in these positions that give you access to options. So the, the girl that you're, you're making reference to, it was very clear based on, on the orientation of, we were looking at pictures of her standing, and it was very clear as to what her strategy was in regards to how she would push up against gravity. And, and then again, those are just specific behaviors based on the identified constraints. So we look at physical structure and we say, how should they be able to move? And then what are they doing relative to that? You had a really, really good YouTube video with Paul Corona. Um, and Paul was trying to sort of get to the genesis of the model. And th there were some very interesting elements to that conversation too, but I was still disappointed a little bit. I was like, I still want more. So like, yeah. I am going to, I, I am, I am going to pose the question to you. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, like, I kind of feel that it's going to be like, sometimes I wonder if Batman is your favorite superhero. Cause sometimes I walk away and I'm like, Bill, the Riddler Hartman. I think he's more in love with the Riddler. <laughs> It's like, you know, you're always like, I love Batman. It's like, are you sure it's not the Riddler, Bill? Um, well, don't, you think, don't you think you need to understand the Riddler to be Batman? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Look at the shirt. Look at the shirt. Just for the, listener, <laughs> just for the listeners, what else is the man wearing? Um, <laughs> but, but like, seriously, like, I mean, 
and I will link that video in the show notes with Paul because it was very, very good. And, and Paul is a really interesting cat too, really, really um deep thinker too. And he, he's, yeah, he's very deep he, thinker. He, he, he contributes an awful lot to our conversation. So and a, and, but, a, and a mighty fine drummer, if I might say. Is he? Is he? He looks like he looks like a drummer with those beautiful long locks. He'll be happy oh, I said that now. I'm so jealous of that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the actual genesis of this model, like, because even in that conversation with Paul, you're like, well, it's obvious, and like, and exactly, he kind of said it just like oh, I was in my own head. I was like, but it's not obvious. Nobody just like comes up with this shit. But like, what was the genesis? Because there's no way I would meet Bill Hartman back in like 2005, and like you weren't you weren't talking in this language. This model wasn't in existence then. Like, and I know I was trying to do the same thing that everybody else was. I was trying to I was trying to into what what pre-existed as the representation, and then what what happens is like, and you know, think about this, Robbie. I've been I've been uh, I've been a therapist for 32 years, and then you know, trained my first client when I was still an undergrad. So you know, I've been been doing a lot of things for a long time and so you you fail <clears throat> and then you think you got it right you, you're exposed to some information you start applying that you get a little bit better and then you fail again and then you're digging into something really deep and you think you're doing great and then you fail again and and what you what you start to recognize is is that every every system that supposedly follows whatever the representative model is fails because it's designed to do so it has it has too many limits within it so it's not the systems that the problem it's the model that the systems are trying to utilize and and so our depth of understanding is is, is insufficient in the way in my opinion um the that the way things have been taught the way things have been expressed and then uh, uh, re uh, the representation so if i have a better representative model my understanding of what is possible, how it, it would arise, then has a deeper understanding. Therefore, my decision-making gets better. The, the model fails much less. I can take any system that you can derive, right? And I can utilize it at the right place at the right time because the, the model that I have constructed works better for me right? Because it, it is more coherent. It is, it is based off of absolute, the, the absolute principles of the universe, if you want to get crazy deep, right? Which sounds, you know, it does sound crazy. And I understand that it makes people uncomfortable, right? I suppose, but like, how, like, I suppose, see, people want this thing in their head where it was, like, it was a Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. on the 14th of September 2015. And Bill went, It was actually December 29th, 2016. I was, was going to say, I, I, it was I, the I was, first, it was the first absolute evolution. Like there was, there have been bits and pieces of this thing for a long time. But there, like, like, December 29th, 2016, I actually have a picture of the whiteboard. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I actually have a picture of it. Um, where where it was first where I first laid it out, and then like you have the the aha, you know the the angels were singing in the background, and and the, you know the light shone in the sky, and uh, yeah, there was like that moment, <laughs> a moment of clarity where where, and then there was the uh oh. But it's it, it like for me, it's kind of like you know like when was it you were like okay like whatever what whatever i do going forward now physics has to be a fucking yep. major major foundational rock yep. 
whatever I do now going forward, hydrostatics and dynamics has to be a big part of this. Yeah. Whatever I do now, self-organizations and dynamical systems theory has to be a huge part of it. Like that's where I'm getting at. It's like, like when, like, cause, cause even, even like I've heard of these things myself, but it's kind of like for you, you've been like, okay, like you just like, it just you got this moment of cl- i don't know if it's a moment of clarity but you just have a clarity around that where you're like right it has to be all these things because they're universal yes. it's like yes. when did that sort of clarity come what was it just more so it just evolved over time yeah and yeah, yeah. I, I would i would love to say i would love to say that there was a moment in time where everything just hit me all at once and then everything started to make sense right <laughs> but, but see but see the, the reason it doesn't saying, happen that way but, it's just bits and pieces it, well, it's still and it's still like that. It's still like that. There's still there's still bits and pieces. Like there, there's people that here you go. Um, how do how do I pull off a, a coaches and coffee call the way I do? Like two hours every week of answering questions. Well, I mean, it, it's pertaining to a model that you have you have put forth into and, and there you go. The, yeah, into the universe. Right, right. Because because it's based off of absolute. Like if you ask me a question that I've never been asked before. I have, I just fall back on, okay, what are the constraints? What are the possibilities? How does this system interact with, with, with the mm. world? Right. And that's how I answer those questions. Right. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like there's some predetermination. It's like, oh, that happens this way. Now, couple that with 32 years of failures. I know. Like I've had enough failures that, well, that, the, that the, I, I go, oh, that was a mistake. It's probably this. And then you, then you succeed after that and then you say okay there that's more likely more likely because we're always playing probabilities the chessboard the chessboard is is the objective but but you're still playing poker the and the reason why i i do ask about the genesis of the model too i know you just said there it wasn't a eureka moment but I, there actually is a lot of stories of eureka moments so there's a, a book that i absolutely love called the biology of transcendence by a guy called joseph shilton pierce and he actually talks about this this individual, I don't know if it was a woman or a man, but the person's last name was Lasky, like L-A-S-K-I. And this person like used to study like Eureka moments. And, and they give the idea of uh, like the one guy they spoke about was this Irish mathematician called Hamilton who spent like most of his fucking life trying to come up, like trying to crack this one equation. But basically like Lasky says, there's this sort of sequence that people go through to get to Eureka moments. And it's like, you find a passion you fall in love with it. You accumulate all the knowledge you can. You find a problem within the field. You spend your whole life researching of it. You get frustrated and you quit. And then just at that moment, boom, it hits. And their whole their whole thing is that you got your, you got to such a place of frustration that you actually like you gave up and your mind opened up to a universe of 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 uh, possibility. And the universe finally said, "Finally, your mind's free. So now I can give you the answer." And it goes boom. Because the story was that Hamilton came to his wife and he goes, spent 10 years on this fucking equation. I can't get it. Come on, let's go for a walk. And they apparently went out walking. And the fact that he had finally just allowed his brain to like just be open to the universe, the, yeah. the equation like came to him in that one moment. And it's like his whole 10 years. So I get what you're saying. There's this whole 32 years that you put in. And then there was obviously these pieces that came along. But people still kind of want to hear, yeah, but it was that 29th of December that I <laughs> On the on the whiteboard where where I was like physics, hydrostatics and dynamics, uh, eccentric and uh, concentric orientation, connected tissue behavior, wide, narrow, uh, and then you know inhalation bias, exhalation bias, 
Uh, and then, you know, the strategy for them and the strategy for this. And that's what people want to hear. Like, you know, but I, again, I appreciate it. So <laughs> like I said, it would, it would, it would really make a great story. Like, you know, Oh, I had a concussion. And when I woke up, I had it, you know, <laughs> it would be nice. It'd be it, so- it, was, it was much more uncomfortable. Believe me. And it still, it still is. It's still uncomfortable. It's, it's going to be so funny when they do the movie of your life and that's going to be how they're going to represent how you come with the model and build your shirt. That's not how it happened, okay? It's not how it happens at all. There's bits and pieces. Like like somebody somebody will ask you the right question that, that I wouldn't have thought to ask myself and then it will lead, it will lead to another representation in context that provides a, and again, I hesitate to use the word the solution, it will provide a solution to another problem. Right. Um, that's usually that's usually what happens. You're you're gonna laugh at this because when I was going through that heavy sort of um I say heavy, but that deep sort of period of really studying your model last summer is one of my notebooks I picked up. And uh, one day I was like, right, if I if I had to write a book on Bill's model, what would the table of contents look like? So I just started scribbling down all these things and I have it here. And I, was, and I actually, the top of it, it's Bill's book. And then it, I just wrote down these things. It goes principles, compression, expansion, embryology, shape, air, water tubes. Because remember the water tube guy? Yeah, gets like uh-huh, that, uh-huh, car, yeah. that car place. Yeah. What else? What else they got here? Everything is propulsion and the three phases, obviously. Well, the fourth, if you include max, but early, middle, late max. Then it was the archetypes. Then it was the configurations, the four configurations, the helical angles, uh, 1%, 99% water, 1% stuff, the seven components of force. Hold on, wait, can I say them? I don't know. Magnitude, location, direction, duration, frequency, rate, variability. There you go. Ah, it was all those podcasts I listened to, and then interview. I can only say I can only say them in one order. Like I can't, I can't. It won't in one order. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's it magnitude, location, direction, duration, frequency, variability, right? So it's like <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how I spit it out because that's how that's, he learned. It. That's our autism coming out, both of us. There you go. There you go. But yeah. uh, I loved others, but that was like that. That helped me too. Like that, and again, I always get this image of like there's me maybe it's just my very left analytical i'm too like in the old traditional model of learning i like to see it on a board on a chart on a table and it's very predictable and i can always see like i always feel like you're looking over my other shoulder gone it's not how it's just that's not how the universe works rabbi it's uncomfortable um, so so you take your list that you made yeah okay. and then here's how it happens here's how it happens okay you ask a question you answer it absolutely that answer leads you to the next to the next piece. You say, if this is as I think it is, what do I need to understand to understand that better? It's like it's like um, I had embryology <clears throat> in school. Yeah. Out of context. Totally out of context. It was like, here's embryology. This is this is the fistula. This is the right. So the big bundle of cells. It divides. It makes like all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they take you. They take you through the gestational periods, and then and then you do the neonatal stuff after that. But it was out of context. Like there was no there was no point to it. <clears throat> However, and you were and you were kind of there. It's like when I was talking about embryology, it was very specific as to what was so important about it. It's like this formation, this formation of the embryo is the foundational element of the structure that we're talking about. And if you understand how this is formed, then you can understand how the constraints interact. 
Like then it becomes really cool and really important to understand versus here's an embryology textbook, learn it. That's a struggle. Like you want pain, pick up a textbook and read it like a novel. Yeah, because it's decontextualized. It's decontextualized. But it, Wait, it, but if you but if but if I ask you a question and I put it into a context, it's like now there's an emotional investment. Now there's a reason for me to go find a piece of information that 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 provides um, an answer to the question, and then yeah. then I can attach that to the pre-existing analogy. Now I've, I've deepened my understanding because I understand where this came from. Now it makes sense as to like. Why would I, why would even, why would I even create two representations of archetypes? Like, why is that even necessary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Be, because, because there is a difference in, in the way that, that the structure was, was created, right? Therefore, the tendencies would be different. And so that's, is, that's the foundational representation, but that's where it comes from. It's like, it's like, I had to answer that question, but where does that come from? It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, that's what they were talking about. 30 years ago when I was in school and, and that's why they wanted me to know it. No, that's not why, but that is why I wanted yeah. to. I remember in our, in our Slack group, there was, we were having a discussion uh, I, and I listen, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to, thinking that you remember because you always joke. I hey, do. I don't remember what happened five minutes ago. This Slack yeah. group was back in 2018. I'm too old I, I, I just remember um, there was just a line you said, and it just resonated with me. And what you said was the physics always came first. And like, that's all sort of resonated with, me now. Any, resonated with me now. Anytime I'm reading sort of any material, particularly when it is within anatomy and physiology. And only just a few months ago, like I actually just went into embryology and I just studied my development and inheritance chapter. So obviously that was all about the em embryonic period then going into the fetal period. But just like say now, look now, now with the context of your model and understanding physics. And I remember uh, we, we spoke over text message when I sent you that video, but it was the actual physics that drove the shape of the embryo. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was phenomenal. It was like this French, it was like subtitled French video. And I just found it phenomenal. I was like, Bill would love this. And you were just like simple principles. But yeah. uh, like reading that embryology chapter now in, in my physiology textbook and then, you know, just you just see like, for instance, like the neural tube and then and then how, how the neural or the neural plate then turns into the neural tube. And it's just like it's all just rotational. Like there is no sagittal. There is no frontal. It's all angles. It's all rotations. Yeah. So it just it, it just, you know, that kind of gives it more context of, of like. It just felt it just feels like it makes more sense and then like when you start learning about like even like in biochemistry or even when you get down to sort of like the mitochondria and like the how the proteins spin and like it's just like everything's helical angles everything is tetrahedrons you know what i mean like the connective tissues are tetrahedrons and like obviously that's what you speak with fractal patterns tetrahedrons and it's just like you're seeing it over and over again the right. same the same the, same, the okay. same rules repeating over and over again yeah Right. It's like it's like we, we have this this ever evolving starting conditions and then this the application of the exact same principles over and over and over again. Right. <clears throat> and then again, but that's that's why you have to have an understanding of starting condition. So far, this conversation has been phenomenal. But what I want to get into now is what's going on currently right now with Bill Hartman. So I've seen alongside the immense amount of information you put out with coffee and coaches corner the amount of the immense amount of information you put out through ifas ifas university for all its members mm -hmm. and the amount of interaction you you continuously do with all sort of the alumni of the intensive 
uh-huh. you started this podcast now, the Reconsider podcast with Chris. So yeah. what, what, was right. the gen- what was the genesis of that? And, uh, and I know that you and Chris have been working on some really exciting projects. So maybe just touch on that. Sure. Um, the, so the Reconsider podcast is just sort of an evolution of what we've been talking about. It, it's basically just asking questions of things. People make assumptions that we know everything that we need to know in certain circumstances, and I, I don't think that's the case. I think so. We're, so we're just asking questions that are popular beliefs and questioning those. And and say, you know, we we like yesterday, Chris and I were talking about bench pressing, which everybody kind of thinks that oh, we've already got that figured out. It's like, well, maybe maybe not so much, right? There's other there's other things that we need to consider. Um, versus just the desired adaptations, we have to consider all the secondary consequences. And so this is one of those things that we're doing. Is, um, and it's not to promote negativity. It's just that people need to have a deeper understanding of what they're doing versus this superficial, oh, this exercise is good for this. And then stopping the conversation there. Because we, what we want to do is we want to understand these things in depth. We want to give people that are in the industry a, a, a better representation, a better filter to start with, because they they just they just don't have it. There, there's there's so much copycatting. There's so much, you know, regurgitation and repetition of information. I mean, it's like most of the people that are producing content are content consumers, right? So they consume other content, and then it gets perpetuated and perpetuated. And then the next thing you know, it's like this is the story that everybody believes, because it's just it's just you know prolific. Versus looking at it through a filtering system. So let baby step back up. If we looked at something through the lens of, of embryology, that is a filter that allows you to decide how this thing was constructed. Therefore, it can't be expressed as it is typically ex- expressed because that'd be too superficial of a representation in regards to any exercise or some form of movement. So once again, it's like we're, we're asking these questions and then we're, we're framing it within certain certain contexts, again, to give a depth of understanding. Chris is pretty awesome. Uh, at, uh, I've had enough conversations with Chris that, that he's pretty good about taking what I say and then making it a little bit easier to understand, <laughs> you know? So 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 he provides an, an element of that. Um, but it's it, it's really fun too. Uh, we, we just in, enjoy doing that, that kind of thing. But what has evolved from that is um, uh, a recognition that there is a piece of the puzzle that is missing for a lot of people because of some of the misunderstandings about how concepts are discussed or applied or beliefs within the fitness and rehab industry. And so there's a sect of people that are looking for some answers to help themselves. Uh, and so they're not, they're not, in terrible you know, situations or they, they're, they're not facing dire consequences. But every time that they try to implement an exercise program on their own, they hit an obstacle. So sometimes it could be pain. Sometimes it could be like some old movement thing that, that, that is interference uh, because the, the programming that they've, they've been following is all of this intensity-based kind of thing. Now, I'm a big fan of intensity. Don't get me wrong. It just needs to be applied with, with some intellect versus just randomly applied across the board and saying, this is good for this. Like, all you got to do is like get on a YouTube feed and you'll see the three most important exercises that you have to do, right? Right. And then the next week, it's the one exercise that you have to do, right? Um, and so what we've done is we've created a, 
a, a system of programming to help people overcome this initial phase that, that people struggle with because they don't know what, what is the interference in, in most cases. And because we have an understanding of constraints, because we understand our principles, what we've done is we've constructed a, a program to lead people through this process so they can get back to doing the sport that they like. So maybe they want to go play golf, but they've had some interference for some reason. They want to get back to the gym and exercise. They just want to kind of feel good. And so um, the, the, the whole system is based on this, this concept of, of reconstructing. And so we just called it Recon. Um, and you can go to Recon U letter u recon u.co if you're interested in in pursuing this and so this is one of the big things that, that we're doing right now and again that's that's why we start we we wanted to to sort of let people know about this and then we want to provide answers to the people that work with those people so we've had a number of trainers that have come in and they're utilizing this this programming um with with some of their clients because they're missing that understanding too and, and so, again, it's it's sort of like the it, it's it's one of these gaps that has existed for a very long time, but there hasn't been a way to address it. And so that's what we're doing. So that's the big thing that's going on right now, as opposed to like all the other stuff that we've been doing for a while. So, so just to clarify, is Recon U for someone that's training themselves or is it for trainers of or is it for trainers to the get intention, for their clients? The intention, the intention, it, it would be what, what you would say is be the fitness consumer, I guess would be the way, the way that okay. like, the, yeah, it's somebody that's trying to get back to it. Like I said, they want to play their sport. Um, they want to be able to work out in the gym comfortably. They just want to feel good. You know, when they, when they're moving around, but they've had, like I said, they've had interference. It's not, it's not a substitution for physical therapy by any stretch of the imagination. It's not for that person. That person needs physical therapy. They should be going to the physical therapist or the equivalent practitioner, you know, check your local listings. Um, it's not for that. It is, it is a, it is a progressive process to move somebody from point A to point B, which would, again, like if we think about like three divisions of people and like the person that wants to play a sport, the person that wants to be, just be able to go to the gym and work out comfortably. And then the person that wants to, wants to move well. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. And um, so Recon U is the website. Just mm -hmm. if, if, if someone listened to this was very interested in that, what would they expect from that bill? Like, is there, like, is there a questionnaire they have to submit? Do they have to submit yeah. any online videos of assessments? Right. So, so they, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a questionnaire uh, upon entry that will help you classify based on your constraints. So, so again, this goes back to principles. Okay. So, so it, it'll help you identify what your tendencies are, and then that directs you in regards to the the programming strategy, and then that is progressive over time. So we have evolutions of of programming, and that that will lead you back to wherever it's going to go. So it 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 starts um, if you think about like a pyramidal type of a structure, it starts very similarly, but it's going to be based on on physical structure. So we've talked about archetypes and configurations and things like that so we take those into consideration that's going to direct them into a pathway 
And then that, that pathway evolves. And so it starts to deviate to a greater degree the deeper you go into the program. So if I if I have to move somebody into like say they want they want to play basketball or when they, they want to play golf, it's like those needs are are very specific in regards to what this person's capabilities need to be. So then we start to move them in that direction. If I just need to go to the gym, we we have a, a representation of what that would entail to be able to just get your workouts in three times a week, go to the gym, do the exercises that you want to do, get the results that you want to get. And then there's people that, you know, they don't have high aspirations of, of a gym, or maybe it's inconvenient for them to go to the gym. And they just, like I said, they just want to move and feel a whole lot better. And then we have that type of a programming too. So again, it starts with, with just the foundational elements that, that are easily recognized. And then we move them through a process. And so that that evolves over time. You you probably were looking at me going, "What's he laughing at?" Because I'm just thinking when you said the configurations, I'm like, well, if you just I could just see it like on the computer screen where you know you have like your you have your your wide wide narrow narrow your funnels, and then at the four category pylon, and it just goes, "You're screwed." <laughs> That's not true. That's there not- is there is no program for you, or else being an accountant. Yeah, be an accountant. Yes, my accountant, my one of my favorite people. Um, my accountant has a very specific uh, physical configuration that that uh, you know puts him in a challenging situation. But he's good. He's good. So uh, a personal question for me to you. Obviously, since the last time I was physically with you in person, you were at I- IFAST. I was going to say 1.0, but probably that was IFAST 2 or 3.0. Uh, it's two. You were, you were at 2.0. Mm-hmm. 2.0, yeah. So yeah. how how's the new facility been and how's it going? And and also, well, too- we're, we're about ready to go to 4.0, actually. Oh, wow. We're, wow. Yeah, we're in the midst of, yeah, this is, this is yeah, it's been a little bit of a pickle, but we're okay. Um, we, you know, we, we evolved into a much larger uh, facility and then there was a, there was a, a change in, in some of the situations that we were in. And so, so we're actually, we're, we're, we're staying in the same location, just a different part of the building is basically what we're doing. So there's some construction that's going to be going on here pretty darn quick. And that'll move us into basically 4.0 in the same facility. Um, and uh, space-wise, is it roughly the same that you have there now or? Um, the, the, the existing space that we have now, it'll be very similar, similar in size. Yeah, we were yeah. we, we were in a very massive situation because we were we were with a, another group so the the turf area was rather gigantic because we were um was a lot of a lot of soccer oriented activities going on so so it was a much bigger space but we're going to go back into something that is a little bit more ifast-ish if you will yeah yeah just something i want to want to touch on there and this will this will kind of be a nice way it'll be a nice sort of add-on question to just after speaking about um recon you um we we spoke about this just before we hopped on i just i just thought your answers and the the insight you gave was was very valuable and i think it'd be good for the listeners to hear this too so obviously this was the genesis of your of your book um but after you do get a you do get that that uh that patient and you brought them back to uh, a a certain level of uh, readiness to engage with training and they turn to you and they say what should i do now I thought your answer to that was, and again, I, I understand your book covers a lot of that, but just the way you delved into that and you were just like, e- it's not a 20 second answer. This is like obviously a 20 chapter book, but just talk us through that, like that sort of interaction that you do have with often people who are like, you know, what, what do we do now? Like, and then if you did actually have that 20 minutes, say, listen, sit down, this is what you need to know. Well, okay. So there's foundational behaviors that underlie everything. 
right? And, and, and this is the stuff that, that people would rather do something um, with intention versus avoid certain behaviors, right? There are certain things that you probably shouldn't do, right? There are certain things that you shouldn't pursue right off the bat that would take away um, capabilities and, and movement options as such, right? So, so most of the people that, that present in physical therapy have a limited number of options. We expand those options and then that's why a lot of people get better. And then they think that, that it's okay to go back to doing whatever it is that they did before. It's like, so, so number one understanding is like, here's what's gonna happen under most circumstances if you pursue this activity. So I need you to avoid these certain things. And then we also need some foundational behaviors. And this, this comes like, like the simple one to talk about is like, oh, you, you need to make sure that you get enough sleep, right? That's every, and everybody says, oh, sleep's really crazy important. It's like, but, but why? It's like, well, it's, it regulates every system in, in your in your whole body. It gives you energy. It gives you options, right? It, again, the self-regulatory element of it, it becomes so important because a system that, that can't regulate itself has to create a, a reduction in options. And that turns out to be demonstrated in movement. And so one of the things that the in in the book itself is like there okay there's the there's the no pain principles like all of those principles within within the book and there's what 10 of them i think um <clears throat> like each one of those is a is a layer of behavior that supports everything else it's like so you so you build those first then you can superimpose things on top of that with the understanding that every time you do something that would fall into and i think i called it the uh the all gain principles, right? Those are going to exhaust resources that need to be restored by the no pain principle. Okay. And so that's basically, uh, you know, the, the, the premise of that conversation is like, okay, you need to understand that there's stuff that you need to do to make sure that you have resources available. The stuff that you like to do are going to exhaust those resources and will continue to exhaust those resources indefinitely as long as you perform those activities. You need to make sure that you're constantly recouping the stuff that you need to support those other activities. Right. And that's that should it should be obvious, I guess, to most folks, right? We just don't think that way because it's uncomfortable. Again, the discomfort associated with the things that you should be doing um, creates a big problem for human beings. And I get it. It's like I have the same problems that everybody else has. Like I I go through phases where you just don't want to do the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. Like I, I did, you know, my morning mobilities this morning that I hate. I hate doing them. But I also know that if I don't do them, I don't feel nearly as good because I'm old. Mm. I, I don't I don't do things as well as I used to. So I need to try to maintain things as much as I can. Are you still doing the red light in the morning? Absolutely. Did you have chips and salsa last night? It's Thursday. Dude, come on. Same restaurant for the last 13 years. Service, lousy, salsa, amazing. <laughs> well, we were in a big group at that time. Um, but see, uh, got it. We, we've, we've had the same waitress for the last four years. Yeah, yeah. So it's been well, pretty. Been no, pretty but, but uh, that, that was a joke that you made at that time. I'm, I'm not saying the service was lousy. You were oh, joking. Oh, you, were like, you were like, service, lousy, salsa, amazing. Then you were like, actually, the service is great, too. Yeah, like Mary's our waitress. We've had, we literally have we have the same table, we have the same waitress, and then yeah, same restaurant. That's perfect. Thirteen years, thirteen years running. 
So uh, uh, one or two little more questions, or one or two questions for me personally, just to you, out of out of personal interest, and I, I no doubt the <laughs> listeners will um will get a lot of benefit from this too. Just I'm very very intrigued and interested to hear about your experience with singing. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I know you're laughing. No, I know you're laughing at that, but I actually genuinely mean that because it's it's it, now this is just you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it really looks like this is something you've really put a lot of time and effort in. And yeah, and and, yeah. and, 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 and I'm not just saying this because we're online now and like, I, <laughs> but but that, that I have to feel obliged to say this. But you're a very good singer. Thanks. And, but, I try. I but, try. But 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 but, but from for, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but. My my perception is you weren't always a good singer. It, it feels like it's something you've really worked at. Um, my mom is, who is now ninety, um, is an amazing singer. Okay, no formal training whatsoever. Just happens to be an amazing singer. <clears throat> so any talent that I would have in that direction, I'm giving her full credit. Um, but so, so here's what you find. Here's what you find. Um, just as it literally is exactly like the training process from in every respect, from muscle activity to practice, to airflow, to energy, to like everything that you would put into a training program for an athlete is absolutely recognized. In fact, I had this conversation with Mike Robertson um, the other day. And, and, and um, so I, so I, I sing on my birthday with a, with a band just for those people who don't know these things. Um, and I don't want to let them down because they are professionals. Like they are actually have been all over the world. The guys that I sing with have, have been in bands all over the world. So they're very, very good. And I don't want to let them down. And so I worked really, really hard at this. And it was just one of those weird things that sort of just came together. But but the the preparation to to be to be a singer is exactly the same way. So I have to have like the regular exposures you have intensive days, you have extensive days, you have recovery days. There are there are positions that matter in regards to <clears throat> vocalization and airflow. So it's exactly like training. Like once I started to recognize that, and I want to say it became easy, it was just comfortable to, to go through that process. But it's just something, you know, it's just another thing that I do. You know, other people, people have other stuff. You know, I'm also trying to learn how to play guitar, but I'm just horrible. I'm just a horrible guitar player. I'm just old. And so it's very difficult. You know, when you're 13 or 14, you don't have a life. I imagine you have a lot of time to practice and that stuff's become very difficult. But the singing thing, like I used to sing, you know, as a kid, but not like hard. Uh, you, um, work at it. You just work at it. You get, you do get better. It's like, yeah. you know, I'm lucky. I'm lucky enough that, like I said, I have the foundational elements that the gift from my mother in that regard that I, that I had something to develop, right? There are some people like, I love my wife more than anybody on the planet. And I love to hear her sing, but she's terrible, <laughs> you know? But she didn't work at it either, but that's okay. But see, it's like, I, I, had, I had something to fall back on. I don't think she had that. I don't think yeah, she had yeah. that element. Uh, did you, like, do you, like, are you working at it every week or is it just certain yeah. pockets of the year, like leading up to, to your birthday? Oh, it, well, so, so it, like, okay. If I was a power lifter, there would be like a circa maxima phase. Yeah. This is what I was getting at. You, period, <laughs> you know, yeah, you periodize this shit. So birth, the birthday's in May, birthday's in May. So, so the, the, the quarter before that. So, so it, it gets really intensive in March, April, and then in May. Um, 
And then like every once in a while, like I'll show up at like the, the guys that, that I know from this band, they play individual gigs and I'll occasionally show up at one of their gigs and they will ask me, they've asked me to come up and sing a couple of times, which is kind of fun. So those are like little test runs that I do. And then um, once, once the set list is determined, so I know what songs I'm going to sing ahead of time, I can practice those throughout the year, but, but there's like, there's definitely periods, like there's days of the week. So Thursday night is a singing night after uh, Mexican dinner. Okay. So it's always, I always sing Thursday night. Um, and then there's a weekend day and then there's like sometime earlier in the week. Um, but uh, the weekend, like the weekend singing tends to be really, really hard. Like it's a hard day. Like that's an intensive day where I go a little bit longer. So like I'll sing up to an hour and a half. Um, and depending on again, intensity. So it's, it, this is a weird conversation for me to have. It just seems so odd for, for us to talk about this, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. So I just, it's just like a train. It's just like a training program. You have like an off season, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 like I said, easy days, hard days, the whole thing. So it's all, it's all generally structured. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, like if I was writing a program for an individual, there would be some very concise you know, elements to it. It's like, it's not quite that well-designed until like the last quarter is pretty specific. I'm, I'm very similar in that I view a lot of things in life through the lens of training principles. Yeah. So like, because even as you were saying, it's exactly like training. Like in my head, I was like specificity, overload, fatigue, management, variation. It's all going to apply to this. Well, so, so, but Robbie, this goes back, this goes back to the concept of, of, coherence and unity Unity, yeah, yeah yeah right because everything is the same like it, it's all the same and in in the 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 better we get at understanding that i think the better we get at everything that we do if paul glazers listens to this now he'll just love this you know the guy who came up with the unifying theory of everything or what's his the unifying theory the unified theory for training is that the one his one he's got here was that article out Paul Glazer's his name. Stu McMillan loves oh, his. Paul, oh, Paul Glazer's got great. Yeah, Paul Glazer, yeah. Great but I'm, I'm trying to think the exact title of that paper. I think Grand it's, it's Unified a, Theory of Performance is perfor the, that's the it. Glazer yeah, that's article. It. That's yeah. the one. I'll link it. I'll link it, Sean. So that's the one. Yeah. yeah that's, was, I've, it, that's, so that's an, that's an important one. That's an important one to read because a lot yeah. of the foundational elements of dynamical systems is in that is in that article. So it's very Actually, that, that was one of our pre-readings for, for... That is a pre-reading for the intensive, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Well, sure. I remember I actually had read it before that on my master's course, and then Stu at also Stu McMillan was at Altus. He he's a big big fan of Paul's. I'm not sure they're good friends, but um, no, it was very interesting. And then just just a, a sort of an add on to to the singing question, Bill. How have you found the sort of reconstruction of your? This is going to sound funny to some people, but if you if people who don't know, Bill has had a lot of extensive dental work done over the last few years. So I was about to say the reconstruction of your face, which sounds very it is. So. So how, 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 how did that impact on this thing? <laughs> uh, it just made me crazy handsome uh, at this point. Um, <laughs> but I'm not as good looking as you. Like nobody's as good looking as you. Um, about that. It, it, uh, I breathe better. So, so that's kind of a uh, foundational element, obviously, of, of, of singing. So, so that was the whole premise behind the, the reconstruction of my face. There's a, there's a picture. <clears throat> there's a picture of me from way back uh, at IFAST that, uh, in fact, Chris Wykes was at, was at the the gym and and he's looking at the picture and he goes, he goes, is that your evil twin brother? And, because it doesn't look like me uh, to the degree now. Like I literally had like a, 
an appliance in my mouth that changed the shape of my face, right? And then if anybody's seen anything that I've done on video in the last four years, you see the fact that I'm, I, I'm my mouth is full of metal to sort of reconstruct everything and make sure that everything's in the right place. And uh, so I'm still in process with that. But um, sleep is the, the biggest impact in that regard. I'm a much better sleeper than I was. I had about 40 years where it didn't go well. And uh, so this has helped tremendously. What are you doing from a, a training perspective? Uh, currently? Very little. <laughs> um, <clears throat> here's one of the things that you learn, learn about age. Recovery. Your, your ability to generate intensity does not wane. Okay. Your ability to recover from intensity is, is the, is the uh, uh, obstacle. And so uh, like right now I'm just doing, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, two intensive training sessions a week um, under load. And then the rest of the stuff is supportive of that because I know that, I know that the, um, the intensive stuff is going to take away things that I need to remain comfortable and healthy because I've had some stuff in the past because, you know, when you try to <clears throat> construct yourself as a superhero, very difficult to maintain without giving up a lot. And so gave up a lot of motion, gave up a lot of, a lot of tissue in the process. And so <clears throat> I'm very, um, I'm consistent in regards to exposures, but I'm also very, uh, uh, graded in in that regard where i control a lot of things but a lot of it's supportive at this point i'm, I'm 57 now and i want to be able to continue this and so like i said the intensive stuff has to be has to be managed um with with a much greater attention than it has been in the past have you regained a lot of movement options oh, over gosh. the last yeah yeah no because because yeah. again because just just for listeners too like bill had a background in bodybuilding and powerlifting so obviously a lot of compressive forces so oh, yeah. was obviously a lot of uh relative motions were, were stolen and movement options so given obviously what you know because you are the the, the og of this sort of the you know the, the model that you put forward and in terms of big part or element of that model is this orientation versus relative motion and then how that ties into movement movement um opportunities and movement solutions yes. so uh, is that something you've, you've very purposely gone after the last number have of years to, yeah. have to have to didn't really have a choice like i said i actually gave up tissue in the process like i have i have permanent changes in structure yes. that i can do nothing about okay and i would prefer not to have any more surgeries for the rest of my life and I would like to be comfortable and I'm, I'm in a really good place. Like I still get, I still get, you know, aches and boo-boos and stuff like that because mm -hmm. again, ancient and, uh, but, but no, all things considered, like I said, that's, it's one of the why, reasons why I punish myself with my, my morning mobility routine is because I know that if I don't do that, that I will suffer at some point in time during the day. And as long as I maintain a certain elevation of of that i i tend to do really really well it's very few complaints at this point it, it's really made me it's only stimulating the thought right now as you speak but it is something that has kind of come into my thinking in brief moments of time and it's something i probably need to sit down and have more of a, a think about in a deeper meditation but again just 
looking through the lens of your model and then thinking about load management and training and just again this concept of relative motions and orientations and you know just if we just look at like traditional strength and condition s and c and like it's almost like every it's just like compression 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 it's just like it's just like your movement options are lessening and lessening and lessening and lessening and it's just like the risk of injury is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you and chris had a really good conversation on one of your podcasts about tiger woods and obviously the main sport i'm involved with here in ireland and particularly this year now because i'm a head coach of a hurling team but hurling is my that's main it. sport and that's a rotational sport you know i got a hurley in the in the purple room right i don't have one in the purple room but i have one here yeah next 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 time i come over to you i'm gonna bring a hurley i know tommy brought one over yeah but, yeah. but, but um the uh hurling is is a massive rotation sport oh, and, and and snc obviously has grown tremendously within all sports but particularly within gated games and you know, you have these these SNC coaches. Listen, I was one of them, uh, and they're well intentioned. But because of my exposure to your model, now, I'm seeing these changes in axle skeleton structures of compression and compression, yeah. and these and these narrows are turning into modified wides almost, even though they're still narrows. I get it, but they're they're compressed. Yeah, yeah, I know. A lot, a lot of, a lot, don't a lot confuse of, the kids. I know. Yeah, a lot of narrows are being seen as wides. <laughs> I get it. Because you're gonna, you know, what's gonna happen, Robbie? There's going to be somebody out there that's going to go, oh, it's modified wide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But you, you, but you are seeing a lot of these guys get very, very compressed. And again, yeah. it was it was well-intentioned as in like a lot of them started doing a lot of um, horizontal pressing, compressing the skeleton. But, well, but it's useful. See, here's the thing. It's, it's to, like, to, a, to a point, to a point. Up to a point. There you we'll go. It, it's like, it it's like this, is, this is why it's not about chasing weight room numbers. It's about changing the, the elements of performance because that, those are the things that you're going to be tracking over time. It's like what, and, and this goes back to my comment um, that we'll, we'll give Thomas Sowell for full credit for it. It's like there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. It's like, so, so when we are arriving at what we think is a performance-rated solution, we traded that for something else. So you give up something to gain something. You, you, have, a fixed, you have a fixed pool of resources from which to draw in any adaptive situation. And, but, but the resources are common, right? So this is why it's so difficult to construct muscle mass at the same time you're building mitochondria. Because it's like I have a I have a fixed pool of resources to create stuff with. It's like I got to go in one direction or the other. I, it's very difficult for me to construct both elements because the the strategies that are utilized to create this stuff are opposed, right? So the same thing happens when in regards to training. It's like I'm going to push you in a direction to raise your performance, knowing full well that something is going to be sacrificed in the process. Is it, then the goal is to track your key performance indicators that allow you to recognize the fact that, okay, we're raising performances. We're going to monitor these other things that we're giving up. And we got to make sure that, that, that they don't, you know, become in such a degree of decrement that they now become the interference. 100%. So when you talk about, when you talk about compressive strategies associated with strength training, absolutely. I want, I want my athletes to be as forceful as possible within the context of their activity without creating the interference. Yeah. Because once you do that, then then you're all putting them at risk. Yeah, and that's and a get, tough game to play. It's a tough game to play. It's not clean. It's not absolute, and it and it is a dynamic process. And you you know it's it's not like uh like I said you're you're we're still playing poker here. We're we're, yeah. we're trying to do is we're trying to manage probability in our favor. Because I think that uh, 
I think that would make a great podcast episode, whether it's myself and yourself do one in the future or yourself and Chris even take it and run with it is the idea of there is no solutions, that there are only trade-offs. Because even just, again, going looking at this through the lens of your model too, you know, it, it makes sense in that, right, when you have that young immature athlete who's kind of starting their their journey why can they get away with more sort of strength training well it's because they're not put out putting the forces the skill you know the they're at the they're at their their skeleton like isn't being it, it it isn't getting such a they're not getting robbed so much of their solutions earlier on in their career so that's why they, they can do more sort of of you know this strategies that will be more compressive to who's a more advanced athlete now who's able to put out those forces who's able to create more changes and then it becomes interference because then if you think about bonder truck's work where he's like well when the novice throwers bench presses went up the true further but when the advanced guys when they went up on the bench it actually their throws got worse right so it started to have a negative transfer and then you think of bosch too in terms of like bosch is like up to a certain point all this traditional strength training destroys motor control and and uh, coordination and that's what he was seeing from his perspective but again we can kind of look at through your lens and see well because you're getting shape changes and you're getting compression and there's this, there's this there again there's this trade-off now between movement solutions and options and now you're losing that because if you're becoming more orientated and you're losing relative motions so you're losing those options and, yeah. and, and, and another thing too is a key thing that that i've really taken away from dan faff and that you've really doubled down on in my mind is like have some type of kpi to help guide this process absolutely you have to you have to because then there's if, if you don't if you don't how do you know when you're being successful yeah. and then how do you know when you are taking something of value away mm. and you might not know what it is to what you need to track initially this is you know i, I always tell a story back in the olden days when we opened up ifast that i did 77 movement based tests in in my assessment because we weren't sure like what, what do you need to measure i don't know let's just measure a whole bunch of stuff and then you slowly throw out stuff right okay that one's not nearly as important as this one so i'm going to hang on to this measure and we're going to we won't throw it away we're just going to move it aside for now and then you slowly mix it down and now the foundational movement stuff is down to like 12 tests right so because from those 12 tests we can derive like if i need to use something in isolation i can do that when necessary but it's these 12 uh, movement-based tests that that tend to give you the greatest in you know degree of of information using movement as a proxy measure for just about everything yeah i was just thinking to myself those 70 however 72 plus assessments they definitely won't make the white the whiteboard scene in your life movie <laughs> no the, the, the entire whiteboard which was you know Already yeah, a, a, a final piece on that sort of you know solution it, there is no solutions it, there are only trade-offs uh, greg robbins had a very good point on it wasn't yesterday it was the week before on our coffee and coaches call and he was kind of discussing this you know a traditional sort of model and train is to do all your sort of mobility type restorative if you like movement quality work before you go into sort of more your traditional um output work so we are working on sort of like physical qualities like a, a power output a strength output or even maybe some hypertrophy type work um and he was saying like it, he was in his mind thinking would it not be better to put that restorative stuff afterward or, or focus more attention on afterwards to kind of you know you, okay you've gotten the benefit from your capacity training but now you kind of want to diminish the interference that, that could possibly lead to 
your sport performance because it could have robbed you of those sort of relative motions. And I, I must actually get in touch with Greg because when I was at at Altus interning, Coach Paff uh, and then Stu, obviously, because Stu was obviously uh, influenced by some of Dan's work, he would actually get the uh, the sprinters after their weight training session. So they've done their speed work. They've gone then to the weight room and then they'd come back out after the weight room and he'd make sure that they went through a rudiment series. Uh-huh. So it was kind of it was kind of like low level sprinty yeah. type drills, ankling, yeah. elasticity work, and med ball throws. And we asked Dan like, why why do you do that? And he said like Dan has his like his faffisms we call them. And he goes reboot the computer. And we were like, what do you mean? And he goes he goes I find when they come back out from weight room work they're discoordinated. It's like oh, and that, that was the last thing that the body sort of is his sort of rationale. You know, he he started talking about the receive the receive receptors and 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 the you know the corpuscles and the joints and all these receptors and. He, you know, he started going on that line, but basically his whole thing was he felt that they just were discoordinated, and he kind of wanted he w- he wanted the body to leave being sort of re-coordinated before they went off yeah. and came back the next day. Yeah, so you know, you look at you look at the general if we if we looked at a general programming structure like we would at IFAST, you'll see somebody that would like when they come in, they do a they do a limited amount of of what we would consider movement-based activities to make sure that they have access to enough options, knowing full well that the intensive portion of the program is gonna take is gonna take those options away, right? We don't wanna start in deficit knowing that we're gonna magnify the deficit with, with the intensity. So we give them a little bit on the front end, they, they perform their the intensive portion of their program, and then you'll see the things that we're doing to recoup the specific elements based on that individual's program. So whatever KPIs that we're monitoring under those circumstances, we're going to make sure that those show up. And so we, we call it like bookending where you do a little bit on the front end, you're going to do some on the back end to make sure that we start in a good place, we take it away as we need to, and then we recapture it before you walk out the door. Because what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to come in the next day in, in a bigger deficit, because this is what happens over time when you have a really strong adaptation that is that is unidirectional is like a lot of steps falls by the wayside and you start in bigger and bigger deficits over over time you see this with athletes that are that might be on like a you know like a, a play schedule like i don't what how how often does there's a hurling match how often, is it weekly yeah we're usually yeah but every week but, we usually have a game yeah so you have a weekly cycle where you'll have intensive days and you'll have sort of medium days and then lighter days and that premise alone is, is like that's how you build the intensity in season, but that's how you make sure that you always recover the elements that that are potentially going to become interfering as you as you trade off to gain performance. You got to make sure that you recoup enough to maintain health. Yeah, and that's kind of what kicked off this whole sort of segment on on our on this podcast here in our discussion is that we kind of look at load management purely through this like physical output or the development of physical qualities or sort of the load of just like the physical effort and not kind of considering, you know, that there is like the, the, this sort of angle of like compressive forces on the actual structure as well. And, and the impact that has over time because of the trade-off with relative motions and orientation, how that can also be an element that needs to be considered in load management, as in that can be a precursor to injury. And going back to the example that you and Chris spoke about with Tiger, it's kind of like, you know, Right, he he like Tiger's from his GPP perspective. Okay, he was getting some great physical outputs through you know if we want to call it traditional weight room work and all. We all heard about that, 
and no doubt it did it did benefit his golf game to a certain degree but the trade-off at the back end towards all that development was it could have been probably managed so much better that it didn't lead to a lot of the issues he ended up with. We don't, we can't say that for certain, but I, I was going to say, it's hard, hard to say not being there. Like I, I, I hesitate to. Yeah. Know, yeah. No, nothing, nothing's as concrete as that, but I, I understand the discussion that could be had around that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, this is just, this is just one of the, this is the growth of perspective, I think, within what we're doing, right? That's a nice. That's a nice phrase, growth of perspective. Yeah. Well, but it it is. It's a it's a recognition of, and and this is what Chris and I talk about a great deal in the Reconsider podcast, is we talk about the secondary and tertiary consequences of what you're doing, because again, everybody, everybody, the initial assumption, the initial assumption is that exercise is good, and it is up to a point and it depends on who you are and it depends on what you're doing. Right. And that, that's what makes this difficult because again, more is not always better. What you, what people would prefer their solution to be the thing that they like to do the best. Right. This is a lesson. This is a lesson that I learned from Mike Russell a long time ago when the neuro coffee thing hit. Right. And it, it, it was brilliant. It's like, Neuro coffee is a, is a supplement that is good for your brain, but you don't have to change any of your behaviors to take advantage of it. Because if you're a coffee drinker, you just take the neuro coffee and then that becomes your, your, your coffee. Brilliant. It's like no change in habit, no change in behavior, right? People want that type of a situation, right? They want that to be the solution. I don't want to have to change. I want, I want strength training to be the solution. I'm sorry. Sometimes that's not the solution right? It's going to be uncomfortable for you. You're going to have to do some things that you don't really like to do nearly as much as the stuff that, that you would like to do. I would like bodybuilding to be my solution. Guess what? Didn't work out for me that way, right? Like I, I, had, a, I had an outcome, right? Where I was fairly successful in, in what I was trying to do, but I paid the price for it. You give up some stuff, right? And so now you have to say, okay, here's the reality. You're going to have to do some of this if you want to do some of this. Just this is the last thing now, and you mightn't be able to give because I know we've we've only about five five or so minutes left. You, you you might be able to 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 give a sort of very very um comprehensive answer here because it, it, this could be a whole podcast in itself. But just something that it's it's a question I've I've, I've wanted to actually ask you for a while, and this is the perfect opportunity. A, a lot of conversations when it comes to like human movement and when it comes to exercise again it depends on the sort the the individual who is who is presenting this information but a lot of it comes out like very negative so what i mean mean by this is it's like you know this is what's wrong with you that's what's wrong with you oh you're this you're that you know what i mean you know you're you're and i'm not i'm not attacking your model here but it's like oh you're and, and, and i'm not saying this is how you present it but i'm just saying like oh, I'm compressed or I'm late or, you know, or if it's another model, I'm a such and such pattern. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, it, 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 it can, it can come, come across very, like, we're very fragile creatures. Right. Do you see what I mean? Like, and yeah. even though you get into the exercise world, like you can't do that exercise. You can't do this exercise. That's dangerous. Or, you know, this is dangerous. And it's just really like negative, 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 negative. And I'm kind of like, 
could we not kind of present this in like okay that's not ideal but this is better and and then you can still be an animal you know what i mean like you can still be anti-fragile and resilient and you're strong and you're amazingly adaptable so my my sort of question to you is like what's your feeling around sort of the way like a lot of messages within just performance rehab is sort of portrayed like what is it you know like i know if you're like a neuroscientist or someone who's in the behavioral sciences you'd be like well from an evolutionary perspective humans are just more wired to be negative from a survival I mean, standpoint. Yeah. i would from start a, i would start there i would definitely start there yeah. like like you have a negativity bias okay um you know in the, the dirty words list there there is a word that i don't use there's a very specific word that i don't ever use neutral <laughs> that one too <laughs> that's on the word that no uh dysfunction dysfunction yeah i don't i don't use the word dysfunction because i i don't i don't think that's the case i think it i think it's just moving through a process like this is the choice this is the choice that's been made based on context based on constraints and based on the existing physical principles this is just what has happened like it's it's not a it's not a place of judgment it's like this is where you are what do you want the outcome to be and then that determines the process. It's not, it's not a right or wrong. It's not a good or bad. It's just, this is what is. We just never had a way to describe it before, right? Because the, the assumption is that somebody lays on the table and they're in some magical position, magical starting position, where if I measure this, I'm actually measuring what I think I'm measuring, which is not true. We've kind of talked about that before, right? <clears throat> um, so I just think that I just think that what what we're recognizing is where where things are. People make their own judgments as to what is good or bad under the circumstance. And so they would they say, "Oh, I'm in late propulsion." It's like, "Yes." So that's actually good in certain circumstances. Right? If I want to run really really fast, it behooves me to be as close to that position as possible. Because the longer it takes for me to get into the position to produce maximum force into the ground, guess what? You're slow. Okay. So you have to live closer to where you perform optimally. That's what, that's what adaptation is for. It's like we're training a sprinter. I got news for you. You're not going to have full relative motions as a sprinter. The sprinters with full relative motions are not called sprinters. They're accountants. Okay. And, and so we, we need to, we, again, where are you is just where you are. Don't, don't pass judgment on it. Just understand it's like relative to where I want to be. I need to go through this process to recapture something that I need. Okay. Or I'm going to move into another level of adaptation. That's, that's how we need to look at this. It's like less, less judgment and just perspective, right? It's like, where are you? Where do you want to be? Where do you need to be? now follow a process. We've just, like I said, we've just never had a process because the representative model doesn't allow us to do that. Bill Hartman, I love you. Oh, I appreciate that. You're such a good dude. That uh, That's a perfect way to end this podcast. So uh, listen, that was phenomenal and it was far, far overdue, but uh, I'll do the usual podcast hosting where to go. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap up the show? I have been told I have been told that I'm I'm horrible at shameless self promotion. So I'm supposed to tell people like where they can find me. So a while back, um, Instagram uh, deleted my account, like out of the blue, right? Out of the blue, deleted my account. So I had to start over. 
And so uh, the new account on Instagram is Bill underscore Hartman underscore PT. So Bill underscore Hartman underscore PT. That's where you'll get like segments from the coaches and coffee call and the 16% stuff. And Okay. Um, <clears throat> YouTube, uh, Bill Hartman PT on YouTube. Um, that's where you, you'll see the Reconsider uh, podcast with 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 Chris Wykes and myself. Um, and then you'll see like bits and pieces of other stuff. I got like 800 and some videos on there um, that are pretty useful for those of you that are that are looking for better answers in regards to how you're going to model effective movement. So that's going to be a really good place uh, to go there. Uh, Coffee and Coaches conference call, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, because I live in Eastern Time and I am terrible with time zones. That's where it's going to be forever. Um, so you can join us. That is that is free. Um, and just look on the Instagram uh, page for where that's going to be. We're going to modify that a little bit. We've had a little bit of hacking going on on our calls, which um, has been a little bit of an interruption, but we'll take care of that. Um, let's see. Where else am I, Robbie? Where else can you find me? Those are the biggie. Uh, IFAST University. Oh, IFAST U. How could I forget that? IFASTUniversity.com. Um, if you've never been to an intensive, you need exposure to how we do stuff at IFAST. So Mike Robertson and I are both involved with, with that. And so we do a, a series of calls and Q&As, and we've got some private groups associated with that. Um, so if you're in that, that's going to be more skewed towards the trainer and strength and conditioning coach um, in, in regards to Again, what we what we do at uh, at iFast, so you can you can learn through that process as well. Um, the intensive is temporarily on hold because of construction, but we should have one coming up like late summer, early fall. That'll be the next one, and but that's application required. Um, all you got to do is go to uh, BillHartmanPT.com. Any of the the blog posts will have a place to get on the mentorship list there, and. Um, I'm going to start communicating with that list a little bit more too. So that'll be kind of fun. Um, but that's where you'll get signed up to get first first dibs on application to the next intensive. I was actually going to ask you about the intensive because I, I, I've noticed that you hadn't um, you yeah. hadn't put any applications there for a while. I, I was assuming there was something like that, some sort of construction. Yeah, we just, like I said, the, the construction has made it difficult to schedule anything um, until that that will be completed. But it should, like I said, we should be we should be good to go by the end of summer. Is that at the house or the facility? Facility. Okay. Um, I'll link up everything you just mentioned. Oh, you mean, you mean where is the intensive? No, 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 no. Because you know there's part at the house, right? I mean, come yeah. on. Oh, that, but that's why I asked. That's why, that's why <laughs> I was asking. Because obviously the, the 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 house is just as a, a major factor as as the actual facility. Yeah, so you actually get to see what's what's out there instead of like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for all for all people know, that's just a caravan you're in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I, as, I'll I'll link up everything in the show notes. Also, your Facebook page, through your public Facebook page. Um, oh yeah, Bill PT. Bill yeah. PT. And uh, just a word of advice to some listeners to, um, well, first thing first, actually, the Reconsider podcast. It, it, while it is on YouTube, you can also get that on um, through, Spotify. True, yeah, true. Like, like anywhere you listen to podcasts, yeah, podcasts, yeah. Just, just so people, yeah, 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 for sure. Just so people know that too. Um, and then with Bill's YouTube channel, this is just me saying this for those who are looking to really delve into the model. Bill has everything out on a playlist on his YouTube channel, so it's not just like 900 plus random videos, he actually has them all categorized. 
Um, and a, a piece of advice would be, and Bill touched on this earlier, get very clear on the question you're looking to answer when you start to research Bill's model and Bill's work. So when you just go into YouTube and I just, this is what I've done, Bill, I just type in Bill Hartman, wide ISI or narrow ISI or propulsion or later. So I made sure I kind of focus in on an area. Like what, what I did last time was like, all right, today or this, these four or five days, I just want to know about wides or I want to know like, or the cross connect, why is he using that or rolling? Like what's the idea of these rolls? So I made it more specific and sort of more concentrated. So it, it was, it was a lot more organized in my mind. Yeah. So that would just be a piece of advice I'd have to individuals go to the playlist or else type in a specific sort of question into the search box. Excellent. Okay. Bill, that was great. And for everyone listening until next time, take care, be well and stay strong. Mm-hmm.